Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Justin Trudeau enters this campaign with six years of, of baggage and scandal kind of dragging behind him. The scathing report about the conduct of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Canada's ethics commissioner has found the Prime Minister violated the Conflict of Interest Act. Now to that new trouble for Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. A picture of him wearing dark makeup dressed as Aladdin at a party in 2001. Trudeau himself now calling it racist. But he's still pretty popular. He always seems to rebound from scandal. And entering this election, he and his party were the odds-on favorite to win another term. Make your voice heard. Have your say, and together, let's move forward for everyone. There's a whole lot of volatility in this campaign, and it's not clear whether or not he'll be punished for the last year and a half or rewarded for it, but it will definitely be one thing. It will be the ultimate test of whether or not he can survive yet another tough run and secure another term. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch Canada edition. And today... I'm Nick taylor Vasey. I'm a reporter for Politico in Ottawa on Parliament Hill. Nick taylor Vasey. On the upcoming elections up north and the ultimate test of how Teflon Justin Trudeau really is. So Justin Trudeau has had a pretty active six years as prime minister. Um, he carries a lot of baggage into the current election campaign. There's there's a little bit of a greatest hits of, of scandals at this point. One of, one of his first, and it was a personal scandal, like an ethical scandal, was uh, when he went to the, the private island in the Bahamas owned by the Aga Khan, who was the spiritual leader of the uh, Ishmaeli Muslims, uh, a, a sect of Islam um, with quite a footprint in Canada. After a year-long investigation, Ethics Commissioner Mary Dawson found the Prime Minister broke four rules by staying on the Aga Khan's private island in the Bahamas, by taking his private helicopter to get there, by holding private meetings about the Aga Khan's endowment fund, and by failing to protect himself from a potential conflict of interest. The Ethics Commissioner here, the Federal Ethics Commissioner, determined that the two of them were friends, and it's it's based on the, the Aga Khan actually having had a friendship with Trudeau's dad, Pierre, who was also prime minister uh, a few decades back. Uh, so that was kind of the first personal scandal. Could you explain how you traveled from NASA yes. to the Aga Khan's island? Yes. Uh, the, the travel back and forth from NASA to the island uh, happens on uh, the Aga Khan's private helicopter, which he offered us the use of. Uh, and uh, that's something I think Later on in that term, uh, closer to the 2019 election, the Liberal government was wrapped up in a, a scandal involving an engineering giant in Quebec called SNC-Lavalin. The SNC-Lavalin scandal is not only hurting the Liberals, but also Trudeau personally, according to a new Ipsos poll conducted between Friday and Monday. They were facing uh, bribery charges overseas in Libya and were in a pretty bad spot. And the uh, Prime Minister tried to direct his justice minister at the time, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who was a, an influential indigenous member of his cabinet, um, to give them a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card, what's called a deferred prosecution agreement. Um, she refused to do that. Uh, things got messy. Eventually, she quit cabinet. Jody Wilson-Raybould stepped down from Justin Trudeau's cabinet after a Globe and Mail report alleged the prime minister's office pressured her to intervene in the company's criminal case. In the end, the ethics commissioner once again um, said that the prime minister and the prime minister's office around him 
some of his senior staffers weren't all hunky dory. They had they had they had acted improperly here, hmm. and there are a couple of those big scandals, and there are all kinds of other little ones. And then in the middle of the 2019 election campaign, this photo emerged, actually from a Time magazine report, of the prime minister wearing blackface or brownface. Justin Trudeau's brownface controversy is making headlines far from home, from the United States all the way to China. John uh, then another photo came out, and then another. And at a certain point, uh, a reporter asked the prime minister, do you know how many of these photos are, are out there? And, and he was actually forced to admit that he did not know how many more photos there would be. I shouldn't have done that. I should have known better, but I didn't, and I'm really sorry. And, um, you know, he took a direct hit to his credibility there. However, still won the election. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau remains in power. Early returns had his Liberal Party leading, but far short of the 170 seats needed for a... You know, he scraped by the skin of his teeth and and had a minority government, which means uh, not a majority of seats in the House of Commons. Um, He had, in 2015, won a landslide victory. In 2019, that was slimmed down to a a minority government. So um, he survived it all, and... And now he's fighting another election, hoping to win another majority government. This is a really important moment in Canada's history. It's been a big couple of years. So earlier this month, Trudeau announced that election. He addressed Canada and said he was calling for a flash election, a new national election, to try to win back a majority, which in a way seems kind of surprising to me and like a, a confident gamble given the past scandals that are following Trudeau, given how slimly he won last time. But at the same time, you have this story for Politico looking at how Trudeau is kind of like Teflon. None of this stuff really seems to solidly affect his political future. Why do you think that is? And why do you think he has the confidence to call for an election at this moment? There's kind of a general rule of thumb in Canada that we give prime ministers about 10 years unless they do something unforgivably bad. Trudeau's opponents would argue strenuously that he does, you know, he has a record of doing unforgivably bad things, but the Canadian people obviously haven't turfed him yet. Um, so, so I think that's part of it. Uh, the other part of this answer is that things are going quite poorly for him. Um, in the pre-pandemic period, uh, he had won an election, but his personal approval was was sort of in the tank. Um, the economy was was sort of stumbling along. Uh, when the pandemic happened, the government stepped in in a big way, a huge way, like most governments around the world, to protect their people. And so the Trudeau government, cabinet ministers, senior bureaucrats in Ottawa whipped up in record time these pandemic relief programs. Um, they paid people to stay home. Uh, they, When they did go back to work, the, their employers received wage subsidies. Uh, eventually, there was a rent relief program for people who, who were struggling to actually pay their monthly rent. And the Liberal government did get pretty high marks for that. Hmm. Later in the pandemic, on the other side of uh, the second wave, Canada was suddenly a world leader in in delivering and administering vaccines. In the U.S., the Delta variant is driving up new cases in all 50 states. And America's vaccination rates are stagnating, putting the U.S. behind Canada. Uh, The Trudeau government had spent months and months negotiating deals with several different vaccine manufacturers. They were slow out of the gate to get them to Canada, but then there was this spike starting in early April and then really in May and June when most Canadians were able to go get a shot. And then two. And so coming into this election, uh, those are two really big 
check marks that a lot of people put beside Trudeau and his government in the pandemic. There were all kinds of criticisms of the government's performance in the pandemic that they didn't close Canada's borders quickly enough or securely enough. Um, they didn't get the vaccines fast enough and that along the way, they weren't very transparent about anything they were doing. And those are all, I think, valid arguments against this government's claims, but they do enter the campaign as, as popular for, for having sort of had people's backs in the beginning with a lot of money they got at the door pretty quick. And then for making people safe in a different way by giving them the chance to get a couple of doses of, of vaccine. So given all of that, how do you think this is going to turn out? And what do you think this election will ultimately tell us about Trudeau and Canadian politics at this moment? So it, it's fair to say this is the ultimate test of Trudeau's Teflon. Um, it's a really volatile election, or at least it could be. COVID is on the rise again. There's a crisis in Afghanistan that's testing uh, the government's performance uh, in, the, in the middle of a campaign on a very volatile issue. Um, Trudeau is still the odds-on favorite to win another term. And whether or not he does uh, is up to the Canadian people who have a whole bunch of news in front of them, aren't paying attention quite yet, but may after Labor Day, and things will get really interesting. Nick Taylor Vasey, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for listening to me yammer on and on about Canadian <laughs> politics. Anytime. Nick Taylor Vasey is the author of Politico's new Ottawa Playbook newsletter. You can sign up for that at politico.com slash newsletters and also find a link in this episode's show notes. Also today. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. President Biden is vowing to continue his administration's evacuation from Kabul after 13 U.S. troops were killed and many others were injured on Thursday when ISIS militants set off two bombs outside the city's main airport. The attacks were the deadliest U.S. casualty event there since 2011, and they come as the U.S. is just days away from a complete withdrawal from a country now controlled by the Taliban. The news came just hours after defense officials began warning about an increased terrorist threat from the Islamic State's branch in Afghanistan. And the USDA is projecting record agriculture exports over the next year. On Thursday, the Agriculture Department raised its forecast for total U.S. farm exports this year to $173.5 billion, a $9.5 billion increase from previous estimates. The all-time high numbers are being driven by significant Chinese purchases of soybeans, cotton, and other agricultural goods. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Politico Dispatch team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>